Chapter 16 Empty Nest A tap at his bedroom window woke Bill from what had been at the same time a pleasant and unsettling dream. He opened his eyes slowly, half expecting to see a woman with long, silvery-blonde hair hovering outside, but instead he focused on a pompous-looking ministry owl standing on the ledge. Letting his eyes wander to the watch on his bedside table before putting his feet on the floor, he noticed with a sigh of frustration that the reason it was still dark outside was that it was barely six o'clock in the morning. After retrieving a bit of parchment and a copy of the Daily Prophet from the Owl, Bill sat back down on his bed and reached for his wand to break the special Minister of Magic seal on the back of the note. He laughed, still not quite used to the idea that the Minister of Magic was, in fact, his own father, and then read, Bill, I knew something was wrong when I came downstairs this morning and saw that Ron's hand on the clock was dead center between prison and hospital. There's no way to hide this from your mother. We've got another hour until she goes downstairs and sees it. Get over here and help me figure this one out. Dad. Puzzled as to what his younger brother could possibly have done to warrant such immediate attention, Bill unfurled the copy of the Daily Prophet. He stared for a moment in disbelief, and then started to laugh so hard that he fell backwards onto his bed. When he finally calmed down, he rummaged for his robes and prepared to apparate to the office of the minister. A few moments later, he was led into his father's office. Arthur Weasley stood in front of the fireplace, talking to Sirius Black, whose head was floating above the flames. Bill cleared his throat, and his father wheeled around. Ah, Bill! Wonderful! Give me just a second, will you? Arthur turned and addressed Sirius. Right. So let him sleep. He'll need his rest. I'll talk to you more about it later. And thanks, Sirius. Not a problem, Sirius answered grimly. I'm used to trouble. With a roar of flame, Sirius was gone. Arthur Weasley rubbed his hands together briskly and smiled anxiously at his son. Bill noted that his father's hairline seemed to have receded even further, and that there were bags under his eyes, but that he also seemed to be standing straighter and taller than he ever had before. So, you've read it then? Bill nodded. He was about to ask his father what Sirius had to say, when Charlie came bursting through the door, hair wild, eyelids still swollen with sleep, and robes hanging open. Bill rolled his eyes when he saw that Charlie hadn't bothered to put on proper clothes underneath the robes. He was wearing pajama bottoms, and his dragon tattoo was still dozing on his chest. "'What's wrong?' Charlie nearly screamed, looking anxiously from his father to his brother. "'Didn't you read the article?' Arthur asked calmly. "'Article? What article? All I got was this note saying that Ron was in trouble. There was no article attached. The owl must have lost it on the way up to the camp.' Bill thought it was more likely that Charlie must have lost it on his floor, but he said nothing, and simply reached for the copy of the newspaper on his father's desk, and read aloud. Minister of Magic's son in near-fatal bar brawl with Malfoy Air, by N. Flummery, Daily Prophet staff writer. Robert Weasley, son of Minister of Magic Arthur Weasley, was involved in a fistfight yesterday evening that left his former Hogwarts classmate Draco Malfoy battling for his life at St. Mungo's. No, interjected Charlie. Really? Bill nodded and continued reading. Mr. Weasley, a former head boy, 
now employed as a barkeep at the Poplar Snouts Fair Tavern in Stagsden, threw the punch that caused a devastating head injury to Mr. Malfoy. They've never got on, reports Pansy Parkinson, another Hogwarts graduate. And Roland has a terrible temper. His friends were always having to keep him away from Draco at school. We never knew what might set him off. Wonder where he gets that from, Arthur muttered, motioning with his head to a portrait of Mrs. Weasley on his desk. Mr. Malfoy, who, along with his mother, was residing this summer with his uncle, Martin Lewis, is the sole heir to the Malfoy fortune. Malfoy Manor is currently under renovation to restore the damage inflicted during the war. His father, Lucius Malfoy, was killed on the same day that you-know-who went missing. These have been extremely difficult times, says Narcissa Malfoy. Draco has been my rock these past few months. It is impossible to describe the pain and anguish that one suffers at the loss of a husband, and to lose a son. I can barely— Mrs. Malfoy was unable to finish this statement through her tears. Although it is now suspected that Mr. Malfoy will live, as long as he is unconscious, the extent of his injuries remains unknown. Amos Diggory, head of the MLES, assured the Daily Prophet that everything was under control. We are currently gathering evidence, was all he could be quoted as saying this morning. No charges have been filed as of yet. Several patrons at the Snouts Fair yesterday evening have come forward to state that Mr. Weasley's attack was an act of self-defense. Since many of the witnesses were under the influence of alcohol at the time of the fight, it is not clear whether or not their testimony may be considered valid. Arthur Weasley, the interim Minister of Magic, has not made any comment to the Daily Prophet at the time of publication. His son was also unavailable for comment, although it is rumored that Sirius Black, known, cleared, felon, is already representing him. Bill put the paper down on the desk and looked at his brother. He couldn't read the expression on Charlie's face at first. He was looking at the floor and shaking slightly. Finding it difficult to believe that his brother would be that upset about a fight, Bill took a step closer and put a hand on Charlie's shoulder. Charlie, you all right? He started to ask, but never finished, because Charlie looked up and burst into a loud torrent of laughter. Breathing a sigh of relief, Bill started to laugh as well. Boys, interjected their father harshly, try to exercise a little restraint. They stopped chuckling for a second and looked at him. But when Arthur's eyes strayed to the headline and he cracked an unwilling smile, they lost it again. So, asked Bill, when he had caught his breath, you don't think that this is too serious, do you, Dad? Why was Sirius here? Are the Malfoys pressing charges? Was it really self-defense? No official charges yet, just threats. But according to Sirius, Ron acted honorably. He took Malfoy outside, and Malfoy punched him as soon as Ron started to turn his back. Bastard, said Charlie, shaking his head. Arthur grew serious quite suddenly. I'm relieved, boys, that you've all grown up so well. And I can't help but know that it's partially my fault that Ron's in this mess now. Lucius Malfoy and I never got on and what happened during the war didn't exactly help create a friendly atmosphere between our families, now did it. He slumped into the large, official-looking minister's chair and put his head in his hands, groaning loudly. Your mother has always been afraid that something like this might happen. It sounds like there were enough witnesses at the pub to keep Ron out of serious trouble, and Sirius was just telling me that he's got the matter well in hand, if it comes to court. 
but it might be a struggle. And if it is, well, Ron's of age. He faces adult consequences. Charlie looked uncomfortably at Bill, who shrugged, and sat down opposite his father. He reflected that they were all grown up now. Even little Jinny was of age, and she'd successfully brewed and administered the Wolfsbane potion the week before. Bill tried hard to conjure an image of his sister that did not include a smudged nose and plates, and failed. He could remember when she and Ron had been born. He'd already been quite grown up by then, starting his first year at Hogwarts and feeling quite important, and had used to hold one of them in each arm for pictures. He remembered getting letters about Ron's first word and Ginny's first teeth. But Ron and Ginny had been some of the most important figures in the war. Bill supposed he should start thinking of them as adults, and resolved to try. "'Well, I'm glad to see you're all here.' Bill recognized the voice of Rose K. Brown, and looked up to see her standing in the doorway. He looked at his watch. It wasn't even seven yet. Did she work all the time? Raising his head from the desk, Arthur straightened and said, "'Good morning,' to her. Rose gave Charlie a withering look and tutted, and Charlie immediately fastened the clasp on his robe, but not without winking at her first. Rose turned back to Arthur. The Daily Prophet wants a statement from you. And I'll give them one in a few minutes. I'd rather not speak with that N. Flummery if possible. I'd wager he's using a quick quotes quill from Rita Skeeter's private collection. Arthur pulled a piece of parchment toward him and picked up a quill. She, corrected Rose, was in your class at school, Bill in Slytherin, remember? Bill did remember, and it only made him echo his father's sentiments. Let Dad make an official statement, but I'd say no interviews or anything. Write it out, and one of us can deliver it on our way out. Fine, Rose answered. You can run it by me, and I can deliver it, and I can talk to Nancy if you'd like. She always seemed to like me. Now, Arthur, I'm sorry for all of the trouble in your family at the moment. I'm here to help however you need me but I wonder if we could shift gears just for a moment and discuss the situation at Azkaban. Arthur nodded, and Rose turned briskly to Charlie. Charlie, did you finish the second set of letters? Yeah, Charlie yawned. Hopefully we'll get another three riders before long. Don't you have all of your dragon riders yet? Arthur asked sharply. Nope, not by a long shot. But those Aurors can't hold the Dementors back for more than another two weeks. That's on the outside, according to Moody. Arthur looked at his son with concern. Hasn't anyone got back to you? Charlie shook his head and began to explain. None of the wartime writers were too enthusiastic about the whole thing. A few of them said they'd be reserve writers if we really needed them. So we've got me, Mick, my assistant, and three reserves. Lines of stress appeared on Rose's forehead. We have to get three more out of all those athletes we listed. What athletes? Bill asked curiously. Grinning, Charlie said, Rose here thought it might be a good idea to solicit the talents of a few top-notch Quidditch players. Quidditch players? Arthur grinned. I bet Ludo Bagman would do it for you in a heartbeat. They all laughed at this, and even Rose cracked a smile. Bagman was a beater, Charlie explained. We narrowed it down to seekers. They have the skill at diving and maneuvering. Also, they tend to be smaller and lighter than the other players, which is a distinct advantage when riding a dragon. I was a seeker. Yeah, and you're so graceful, Bill couldn't help observing. 
Tell me, was your assistant a seeker as well? She was, Charlie answered, and suddenly seemed to be very interested in speaking with Rose. We sent out invitation letters to all the professional seekers in Britain, and all the seekers in trial for league teams, and we sought out a few international players as well. I hope we can attract the foreign flyers. It would be such good international press. Rose frowned. Of course, I don't know why they'd want to come all the way to Scotland just to sit on a dragon and get rained on, but given our success rate so far, we figured it couldn't hurt to ask. Actually, that's a great idea. Bill wagged a half-joking finger at Charlie. As long as you didn't send letters to any of the Falcons players. Of course we did, interjected Rose, looking slightly annoyed. Why not? You never know who might come in useful. She tossed her head and muttered something under her breath that sounded like Gryffindor prejudice. Slytherin politics, Charlie muttered back at once. It might look good to represent all kinds, but I don't trust all kinds on my dragons. Bill agreed with Charlie. However, knowing that the issue of house distinctions could easily blow up into a full-length debate, he didn't press the issue. Do you need me right now? he asked, turning to his father. I reckon I'll go into work early today. I need to finish clearing triggered curses out of the bottom level of Gringotts, where that dragon mucked everything up. He ignored a glare from Charlie. So it's a safe zone by September, when that charmer arrives. Can't send somebody down there into all that. Bill rubbed his head, and noticed, as he did so, that it was exactly the same habitual motion that his father used, when under stress. If there's any news on Ron, though, just let me know. Arthur nodded. I can go see Mum later, if you'd think it would help calm her down, Bill offered, turning back at the door. Thanks, Arthur smiled slightly, but I think your mother'd planned to visit Lupin Lodge this afternoon and help the teenagers with jumpers, or dress robes. I can't remember. Anyhow, she'll certainly be going after she sees the newspaper. Oof, Charlie said, shaking his head. Ron's in for it now. Yes, Arthur sighed, glancing at the Daily Prophet once more. Yes, he is. Let's work on your statement about that, Arthur, Rose pressed, pulling her chair up to face the desk and pulling her clipboard. And while we do, Charlie, aside from those Quidditch letters, I want you to follow up every one of the last decline notes with a new one saying that it's really not optional. The ministry needs people. Go find your assistant, associate, Mr. O'Malley, and finish that off as quickly as you can. Rose turned her attention back to the minister, leaving Charlie to give incredulous and unflattering looks to the back of her head. Bill chuckled, winked at his brother, and left the office of the Minister of Magic.